there's kind of an old TikTok trend that's like, tell me your blank without telling me your blank. So it's it's like, tell me you're American without telling me you're an American. And then it shows a guy like putting ranch on everything he eats or something. Maybe that's just a Midwest thing. I'm, I'm from the Midwest and ranch is definitely a thing in my life for my whole life. High school, you know, I was getting that chicken tendies with ranch at lunch. And it's gotta be that sort of liquidy cafeteria ranch, you know, the Hidden Valley's thicker kind. It's just not the same. It's gotta be Gordon Food Service cafeteria ranch. That's what you get at a lot of pizza places. Anyway, you know who's really good at this trend is Harvard Business School. They made a video that took us inside a really engaging class discussion. And instead of saying, our classes are great, uh, and here's the reasons why they said, no, 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 we're not going to tell you, we're going to show you, we're going to, we're going to tell you without telling you. And this video went viral. It is today sitting at 11 million views and you might say, okay, well, they just did paid ads up the wazoo, uh, to get it up to 11 million views. Well, when you factor in the fact that it has 9,315 comments and 235,000 likes, that's a really good uh, view to engagement ratio, which says this had a lot of organic legs to it. So today we'll be talking about that video with the help of one of the folks that was behind the wheel of its creation, Rafi Dersimonian. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name is John Azoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled. We're a video production company working specifically with college marketing teams on automating their video storytelling content through subscription approach, which you can learn more about at unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D.tv. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, uh, go ahead and I guess the, the term is follow. I've been saying subscribe this whole time, but on, on Apple Podcasts, if you go to subscribe, there's not an option. It says follow. So follow this podcast. Uh, and also, uh, you know, if you've been listening for a while and haven't left a review, I'd love for you to do that. And, uh, and another uh, tidbit that I should tell you is that you have to do that through the app on the phone, uh, on your phone. Cause if you do that on, if you try to, if you try to go to the show page on the desktop, it, there's no option to leave a review. I don't know what's going on there. Apple, come on. Now, one of your biggest assets as a school, and you know, this is your professors and the engaging conversations they bring to the classroom. You've got these bright minds doing great things in the world and bringing that experience into the classroom in really exciting ways. And you should be talking about that in your marketing and you probably are in some way. Maybe you get one of your star professors and you sit them down and, you know, we'll interview her about about her accolades and why students should come to the school and be in her program and explain what goes on in the classroom and and things like that, it's uh, it's more explanatory, and that and that would be fine. But Harvard Business School did this, but did it in a different way. Uh, they they made a video that could be used to say we have amazing professors, uh, but instead they said, "Watch this. Let us show you." My guest today is Rafi Dersimoni, and he's the VP and Chief Strategy Officer at ERI, a digital storytelling company making web experiences, apps, and marketing strategies that advance your mission. And they do a ton of work with colleges and universities. But before ERI was associated with Rafi's name, he was with a previous company called P3 that spearheaded this video for Harvard Business School. 
I want to play the first few minutes of this video just so you can catch the vision here, because if you don't, you're not really going to understand the rest of the episode very much. Uh, you can watch the whole thing by going to the link in the description. It's about 10 minutes long. Um, so, but if you're just listening to the audio version of this episode, what's happening here is a, a class a discussion, but they they weave in interviews with students. So you'll hear these interviews that take place in a studio environment outside of the classroom as you're listening. So I'll play that now. Today, we put ourselves in the shoes of Cynthia Carroll. Imagine, you've become CEO of one of the world's largest mining companies, Anglo-American. $25 billion in sales, 162,000 employees, two-thirds of them in South Africa, and four months into your job, you hear the news, one of the miners in Rustenburg has lost his life. Yet another fatality. You have to decide, are you going to shut down the mine or continue business as usual? David, if you can open for us today. You're Cynthia Carroll. The news comes to you. Do you shut down the mine in Rustenburg? Yes or no? What are you going to do? So I think she needs to initiate very detailed investigations into what happened in these circumstances and then what has happened throughout the past. Are you going to shut down or not shut down? <laughs> so I'm going to do a detailed investigation. And then when I do have a plan. What are you learning? What are you learning in this investigation? Practices that are not being followed correctly or out of line or could be safer where there's like issues. People are dying. It's not safe. <laughs> uh, so what I'm evidence are you looking for? When you get the opportunity to participate, you need to be able to compact the information that you're going to present in a very concise and clear manner. Through participation in class every day, this is something that I am trying to sharpen. Who wants to get in on this? It's dynamic, it's fast-paced, there's a ton of energy. Everyone's really excited to jump in and contribute. I learn a lot from my peers as much as I learn from the faculty, if not more. The professor kind of facilitates. It's like an orchestra. They kind of direct the music, but they're not necessarily playing it. I think we need to shut it down. Minor deaths are accepted as just a, a part of the, the process of mining. Shutting down the operation will signal a very strong mentality shift that deaths aren't going to be uh, tolerated. That's called a bold stroke, by the way. What Grant is talking about, what Izosa is talking about, what Robert is talking about is a bold stroke, which means from this day forward, something has shifted. But those of you who disagree, say what? Those of you who disagree, say what, Will? I think we do much more if we improve the culture around safety in the entire organization. There's some truth that we're trying to work toward. The debates become more and more fun because that's when you get to uncover views that you hadn't thought of and when you get to push your own thinking and, and hopefully make your own thinking much, much better. If you allow your perspective to be constructively challenged by other people, then it is just fascinating how you know your position and your perspective um, can shift. Those of you who want to shut down, how do you respond to this? Layla. We had, we shut down the plant because we had safety issues and we made a stand and we started making a safety culture, like we had a safety culture. The fact that we can have difficult, uncomfortable conversations, we can talk about race, we can talk about politics, 
and still be friends at the end of the day. And to have people who are not from a specific group, but still have sympathy and empathy is pretty unique. Beyond cultural and beyond structural, we also talk about just the people of the organization. The uh, overseers are generally white and the workers are generally black. The language with which they communicate is called Finagala, and it's largely a command and control language. So you're saying some structural, you're saying some linguistic communication barriers, you're saying some uh, organization cultural issues around the entire organization. John here. And then I want to skip to the end here so you can know how this resolves. 30 years ago, Cynthia Carroll, 30 years ago, was actually in your seats, in these exact same seats. And because of her, thousands and thousands of minors in the world are paid better, are much safer, and are leading better lives with much more dignity. One day, not only that could be you, I know that one day it will be you. Okay, so that's that. So Rafi Dersimonian, my guest today, directed the production of this video, uh, as I mentioned, through the company he was at at the time called P3, and let me stop talking so you can hear from him. So here's my conversation with Rafi. Rafi, thanks for being here. It's my absolute pleasure, John. Great to be here with you today as well. So tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I serve as a principal chief strategy officer of ERI. Um, we are a digital strategy firm that specializes in helping institutions uh, tell their story, specifically uh, by way of strategy, uh, creativity, and technology. Um, my background is in marketing communications of the arts. Um, I've uh, had the fortune of getting some good experience in higher education, uh, working on the administrative side of the house. Uh, my first position was for a small liberal arts school in New England, serving as their head of the annual fund and alumni affairs. Uh, my career took me back home to my home state of Maine, where I had the privilege of serving as Maine College of Art and Design's uh, inaugural uh, director of marketing communications in the annual fund. Um, so, you know, got a chance to lead their external communications. One of the common threads throughout my career, and this is kind of what leads us here today, is that I've had the pleasure of getting to know the emotive power of visual storytelling and how it can help um, move the dial forward for any institution that's trying to engender support, gain visibility, advance a mission. Um, so, yeah, basically about five years ago, I made the leap to full-time consulting and uh, about less than a year ago now uh, merged with ERI, um, a Massachusetts-based firm. Um, today we work with dozens of leading institutions around the country, um, helping to tell their story and helping them to determine what sets them apart, what makes them unique from other institutions and trying to help align um, how that's communicated through their external facing channels, most importantly, their website. And obviously video is a huge part of this. Sure. So it's so good to be with you today to, to chat with you about this a bit. Yeah. Tell me, how was it um, marketing in an art school? I'm curious about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great question. You know, I would say as director of marketing, one of the coolest things about that opportunity was working with so many brilliantly talented creatives. So, you know, we, at any given time, we could tap into um, 
our faculty or student talent base to help out with creative design, any sort of creative initiative. With yeah. that said, also, you know, a lot of uh, opinions and which is which is a good thing, but can have its moments as well. So uh, it definitely teaches you to work with uh, all different types of creative folks with different inclinations. Yeah, I still have the holes in my ears from my plugs when I was in art school. Uh, <laughs> I was actually well, just thinking this morning, I was like, I should get these like sewed up or something. <laughs> well, John, I think that's one of the things that uh, when I first was introduced to your podcast that stood out to me, the fact that you are uh, a art school alum yourself and also an accomplished painter, which I thought was really cool. So it, it makes the conversation around the art of visual storytelling uh, that much more engaging because it is an art. And, you know, like any, um, any expression of any creative medium, there are tips and strategies and ways to make it more impactful. Um, I would say one of the great challenges and, and honors of being able to tell main college of art and design story is the fact that so these creative professionals are adding so much to the texture of our lives, of our communities. And uh, to imagine a world without creativity is, um, is something that I don't even want to entertain. So in terms of the value proposition that Mecca is providing, no shortage of great stories to tell there. Good deal. So tell me about, all right, so we're, t we're talking today about this Harvard, Harvard Business School uh, video uh, that went viral that, that you worked on. So tell me like, you worked on it for, with your previous company, right? Just give, give me give me the kind of the overview of the genesis of that and how it came about. Sure. Yeah. So uh, the Harvard Business School project that we worked on, it was a video called um, Take a Seat Inside the Harvard MBA Classroom. Uh, we produced this about three years ago, and I was uh, working with a company called P3, uh, which is one of the top production firms in New England and beyond. Um, we still do work together, in fact, and they are some amazing collaborators. Um, in this particular challenge, we were uh, hired by Harvard Business School to help tell the story of the case method. Now, for those of you that don't know, the uh, case method is part of what has made the Harvard Business School education um, known for what it is. And effectively, um, what it what it consists of is it's a real life case study, and in this particular uh, challenge, we were taking students, prospective students, um, audiences of all different backgrounds, literally inside the Harvard MBA classroom uh, to experience um, a real life case study. And the case study in this instance was a former CEO of one of the world's largest mining companies. Um, with something like 165,000 employees, annual sales of over 25 billion. And there was some, uh, a fatality. And the CEO of this company was faced with the ethical challenge, the dilemma of, do you close the facility down um, or do you keep going? What types of measures do you put in place to um, you know, reduce the likelihood of any other fatalities? And what you get is this amazing conversation, this amazing energy that, you know, only exists um, inside the classroom. And in this instance, um, the former CEO happened to be a Harvard MBA alum. Her name was Cynthia Carroll. Um, so basically, I'll tell you more about the story um, as we as we go along here. But 
without a doubt, one of the most impactful initiatives I've had the pleasure of working on, and not just because it went viral with more than 11 million views, um, but because of the experience that we had producing it and some of the friendships and relationships that were formed in the process. Um, like I mentioned, being able to collaborate with P3 was uh, so much fun. And, you know, when I say top notch, I mean, uh, best in industry. We had such a blast putting this together. Also, uh, on the Harvard Business School side, they had a fantastic team. In fact, um, the person that was driving the initiative, a woman by the name of Mary Knox Miller, um, an accomplished visual storyteller herself, in fact, she really ran point guard with the pre-production, the vision, kind of laying the table of what needed to uh what the video needed to accomplish she also did the post-production so we were really hired as the muscle to come in and collaborate serves an extension of her team um to really tell the story in an immersive way um you know i should mention that uh Mary Knox Miller and I have actually collaborated on some other projects since then. So this is one of the themes that I want to touch on today with you is cool. the power of collaboration. Um, but basically the end result uh, is a 10 minute film, a 10 minute short that features live footage from the classroom. It was a six camera shoot. We had four, um, four folks filming inside plus a gorilla cam set up. Um, and then we augmented it with interviews in the studio after. And basically, our challenge was to collect as much dynamic footage as possible that Mary Knox Miller could then take and weave together to tell this narrative and to give an authentic, rare glimpse into what it's like inside the Harvard MBA classroom. Cool. I love that. And I thought, um, you know, when you sent it to me, it was, it, it was 10 minutes, but it didn't feel like that because it, it really felt like... I got me, you know, it kind of made me think, uh, you know, it's so the the classroom was pretty divided in terms of who, you know, who would keep operations going and who would shut them down. And at first I was kind of like, I'd shut them, I'd probably shut them down. Then I was like, well, no, I'd probably keep going. Then I was like, <laughs> I just kept flip-flopping. I was like, oh man, that's a tough decision. And it really, you know, when you when you're presented with the question, it seems very, you know, simple at first, but as you, as you kind of get into the discussion, you know, you hear other people's perspectives, you realize how much more complicated that, that decision actually is. And, and then it kind of just ties to how I love how the professor leads the discussion and is like walking around, like pointing at people and making everyone laugh and, you know, writing stuff on the board. It was just very engaging. Um, and I think, and I think I, res I responded so well to it because I've, I've been thinking a lot, uh, lately about, you know, the, the impact that, so, you know, one of the things that, um, we talk about a lot on this podcast is storytelling, um, and, and student, student stories, student outcomes, success stories, that kind of thing. But there's so much other, um, you know, things that could be effective in, in another whole category of, of videos that I think is really effective is actually like giving your audience a sample of what it's like to go there and learn from somebody there and see the teaching style there. Um, and I don't see that enough because I feel like that's, it's just super powerful when you can kind of be like, you can get, experience it think along with the class and then, and then just kind of leave feeling like I want to learn from that 
class or that professor like i want to i want to do more of that did you expect it to go viral uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah good question i think the short answer is absolutely not um but it had all of the markings of a great story in the sense that i think anyone can relate to uh, the vulnerability of sharing your positioning in front of a, a, a group of classmates um, or colleagues and in this instance it's so evident that in that classroom, there is this environment that both challenges and supports you. Uh, you hit it on the head, John, in terms of, I think part of the reason it was a success is that the professor, uh, Professor Sadal Neely, is just so energetic and vibrant and it comes across uh, in a way that is so engaging. I think it's hard to not get sucked into her uh, style of inquiry. Um, also, I think, one of the reasons why it's successful is that I think we can all relate to the fact that our opinions, our, uh, you know, bearings are formed through conversation and through other people's perspectives. And one of the cool things about the interviews that happen um, outside of the classroom is that all these students are kind of, they're speaking to a very similar point, which is that, uh, being in an environment where it's safe and you're allowed to have differing points of view and debate respectfully is a great way to learn. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why Sadal Neely is such a, a, you know, excellent professor and why the Harvard Business School brand has been able to grow into the behemoth that it is because they really understand that. And I think it's also, um, you know, I think about when institutions hire us to help tell their story, one of the first things that we ask ourselves is, you know, what, what distinguishes you from other institutions? What are some of the stories, we call them evidence points, that best exemplify what sets you apart and why a prospective student might consider you um, over the myriad of other, uh, you know, peers and competitors out there? And fundamentally, it's our belief that it's all about the power of individual stories and through the perspectives of the students, primarily. Yes, faculty, yes, donors, yes, staff, but I think students are ultimately looking to see um, themselves through the lens of other students. So in this instance, Harvard Business School's special sauce, their je ne sais quoi, uh, whatever it is that you wanna call it, um, we were able to provide a rare glimpse into that and what makes it so powerful and effective. Yeah, so I I think it's it's um, interesting to me that you know in, when we talk about differentiating a school, um, there's only so many um, qualifiers or like identifiers that to go around. You know, it's a, a college is a college. It's it's kind of there's classes, there's students that go to those classes, there's professors that teach the classes. <laughs> you know, there's different programs and different and different things, but like there's thousands and thousands of colleges that all can't be just so distinctly different from <laughs> from each other it really comes down to like for, for me I, I feel like what differentiates a school is um the stories that it tells and the the things that it says about it about itself and the ways that it shows that not just says that about themselves but the way that it shows that so if you're going to say we have world-class professors um but the, but you're not like you're not marketing that wisdom and that knowledge in any way. I think there's a disconnect there because all you've all you've done is said we've had we have world class professors. 
but like the schools that I've seen that, that give kind of like this sampling of their schools. Um, I've mentioned in the previous, uh, I, maybe it was when you and I were talking on the phone a while ago, but, uh, Hillsdale college, um, uh, they do, they have a series of free online courses and I, I watched like half of one, one, um, part of the course and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to go to this school. <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> you know, and it's like, absolutely. and it, it was like, you, you are left with the impression that the professors and the educational experience is world-class in a way that you, someone just says that you're just like, okay, whatever. Everyone, everyone says that. Of course, no one's out there being like, yeah, we're okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then yeah. the stories that, like, I feel like the stories, the student and, you know, alumni stories, success stories that you tell about yourself, like nobody, nobody else can claim those same stories, you know? And yeah. so those, those are the things that, that resonate with people. And those are always going to be, you know, somewhat different that the, the feeling about the institution might be the same. It might still be like, I loved it. I love the small class sizes or whatever. But if you tell a story around something that, that makes that amplifies the reason that the small class sizes affected somebody. It's just so much more powerful. And then no one, no one else, no other school is claiming that story. That's just, you know, that's just that one student's perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, one of the most fascinating things about the emotive power of visual storytelling is how it can literally transform our physiology. And that's one of the, you know, points of fascination that I have with storytelling and why I, I'm still a student of visual storytelling to this day is that when it comes to uh, advancing a mission, when it comes to, um, you know, building awareness, engendering support, there's really no more valuable way to build that support than through visual storytelling. Um, you recommended a book in one of your podcasts that I have to admit, um, I I took you up on the recommendation and I absolutely loved it. There's uh, stories that stick with Kendra Hall. I want to yeah. thank you for that recommendation. Um, just uh, fantastic. And one of the things I love about it is that it breaks down the, um, the physiology, the science behind storytelling and how we as humans respond on a visceral level to stories. Quick break here to tell you more about our video storytelling subscriptions, but first let me sidestep and say that, uh, as Rafi mentioned, this book, Stories That Stick by Kendra Hall, super, super great book. Go pick it up if you haven't already. And in fact, let's do this. Um, leave a review for this podcast, write a review, leave a rating, and email me, john at unveiled.tv, J-O-H-N, and tell me that you, that you did that. Um, and over the next week, uh, I'm gonna pick one name, of a person who left a review in the last week and I will send you a copy of this book because I have an extra copy and would love to get that in your hands. And so let's let's do that. We'll do a little contest here. Anyways, uh, about our video storytelling subscriptions, look, ma making even one video takes a lot of legwork and lots of steps go, uh, go into hurting all of the cats and then you get one video out of that, uh, one story. But you don't want one story. Storytelling is an ongoing lifestyle. It's a marketing lifestyle. Uh, but in ima and imagine a world where you'd get 132 videos across the year. Pretty much all you had to do to get that was find the stories to tell and pass it on to someone else, us, Unveiled. 
Um, our aim is to take the friction out of telling great stories and whether you're um, a big school or whether you're a small liberal arts college, you can tell really compelling stories all year round and fill your content calendar with video content. So we're gonna batch shoot a year's worth of content and then every month drip out to you one new student or alumni story along with a whole package of additional video content. So you're gonna get the full length story which is usually uh, two to three minutes, and then you'll get a 30 and a 15 second cut down to use in various ways, and then eight topical videos, which are you know, just extra things that we will ask them in the interview um, that align with your messaging priorities. Maybe you wanna talk, you have them talk about scholarships or have them talk about um, internship opportunities, whatever, we, I mean, we got the student sitting here, we can ask them anything we want, and so, uh, so that's what those eight topical videos are. And then, the icing on the cake is that we're gonna give you all of that B-roll and interview footage to do whatever you want with it. Um, have your internal video person cut it up into a million other videos forever. Make it rain video content. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna give you a really great foundation of polished video content that you can deploy right away, uh, and then all of the raw materials that you can use to make unlimited extra stuff with. So if you want to learn more, you can go download our pricing guide at pricing.unveiled.tv, and you can get obviously pricing, and it will have everything in it that you need to know um, in order to see if this is a good fit for you or not. All right, back to my conversation with Rafi Dersimonian. Taking it back to the Harvard uh, Business School video that we're, we're talking about, you know, I remember when I saw the first edit, as someone that was there throughout the entire process, that saw all of the interviews, you know, the several days of interviews, and then seeing this final beautiful product, uh, there's no way that you could not feel this sense of um, emotional um, impact. Mm -hmm. And several times throughout the video, um, you know, you feel the humor, you feel the tension, you feel the uh, intensity of what it's like to be in that classroom. And that is so much more impactful um, when it comes to a student putting Harvard on their wish list or considering Harvard as an institution that they want to put their hat in the ring to apply for. Then let's just say having Professor Neely herself get up there and say, we do X, Y, Z, but actually being there and feeling it and experiencing those dynamics uh, is such a powerful thing. And it's part of why I think um, video should be relied on more frequently as a strategy for institutions to advance their mission. Yeah, I love stories that stick. There's a lot of, I've read a lot of storytelling books and a lot of them are kind of like, you know, like a lot of them kind of overlap in like the science of storytelling, the things that the, the kind of concepts and theories that they, that they talk about. Um, and what makes a good story and this and that. But I, I was the first book that I found that was like really practical to just the everyday marketer that wants to move people to action. And, um, you know, just, just how, um, you know, our, our, and I like, and I think, I think I, there's a certain level of uh, cynicism that, that um, <laughs> Kendra and I, and I share about like the state of marketing where she's, <laughs> there was one part of the book where she was, saying like, oh, she read, it was like a water bottle or something that was like, here's our story. And then she like read it and she's like, this is not a story. This is just <laughs> a grocery list of information. Like, let's stop using story, <laughs> the word story in that way. This is what an actual story is. And this is why yep. it matters because an actual story is going to, you know, transport the viewer and, and blah, blah, blah. But she, ha she has a way of just bringing it down to, down to earth in like a really um, practical level. 
one of the things I liked about the, the Harvard Business School video is that it's just so simple. When organizations think about creating a video, um, they think it has to be complicated. It has to be really, you know, cinematic and like lights everywhere and, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And that's just not the case. I mean, I think in, in a lot of cases, kind of like just a very simple approach to, uh, to video is actually more effective. I feel like if you were to kind of take that and make it, obviously the production value was, was very good. It looked, and, you, and especially cut to the interviews and stuff is like very well lit and everything, but like the classroom B-roll, it's just kind of like, it's just kind of like you're there and it's not like, it's not yeah. like trying to be anything more than, more than it is. Um, yeah. And I think that's in, that's I just love the the simplicity about it. What what do you um, what do you think struck a chord you know with with people? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One is I think uh, there's this mystique around the Harvard Business School brand, right? And I think it's safe to say Harvard is probably one of the most, if not the most well known institution around the world. So having that kind of the ability to see what it's like inside that classroom where you know there's something very special going on. You know it's the best and brightest minds um, convened. I also think the notion of uh, the Sadal Neely, Professor Neely, just her, her magnetic energy and a clear passion and uh, ability for what she's doing is, to me, that was one of the things that I took away from that experience. Um, also, I think this notion of learning through hearing other people's perspectives. And I think this is um, one of the things that holds the institution of higher education together as, as um, uh, a whole is that through these, uh, these classroom settings, um, you get to hear other people's perspectives that might be looking at a controversial issue through a whole different set of uh, criteria and a whole different lens. Um, so I think all these kind of variables combined. The other thing I would be remiss, John, if I didn't mention the pre-planning <laughs> that went yeah. into this, a significant amount of logistics and, you know, obviously so many details and nuances to contending with, because ultimately, you know, we didn't want to be too disruptive to uh, impede on the energy that's going on in the classroom. Um, we also wanted to make sure that we were capturing it from as many angles as possible. So you'll notice, um, you know, different different perspectives inside the actual classroom. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, in the interview setting, uh, there was more flexibility. Uh, but I think finally, part of what made the uh, video such a success was the fact that you got to see these students engage in in the classroom setting, you know, in real time. Uh, and then you got to hear a, a reflection, um, a distillation of the experience in more of a, a controlled uh, interview environment. Yeah. Yeah. How was it distributed in terms of after it was made? Yeah. Good question. And I know that it was, uh, and it probably still is on the um, Harvard Business School, probably featured on their homepage, um, through their social media, I would imagine also um, through some of their uh, you know, direct email outreach. Um, I'm not exactly sure on how they deployed it, but for whatever reason, it did strike a chord with different audiences. And uh, I think it, it told a story where regardless of whether or not you are considering Harvard, 
um, or even looking at schools in general, it told a compelling story that invites the audience in to take part in a dialogue because it, it, of the fact that it's a real scenario that, you know, these many of these graduates will go on to, you know, uh, in theory, at least lead the titans of industry and um, lead different sectors of industry. So it's a real scenario that impacts people's lives. So I think that uh, the gravity factor of the topic itself um, was compelling. Yeah, for sure. It's really, it really, it's a, it's a challenge to think it's like, okay, it's, you really sort of get a sense for like, what kind of person am I here? Cause it's like, you're talking about one person's life, which in the grand scheme of, you know, a huge conglomerate business, sure. it's, it, depending on how you think about it is either significant or insignificant. <laughs> you know, it's just like so many different perspectives. I mean, like half the, half the room was like, this is just part of the deal. Like this comes yeah. with the territory. <laughs> the other half was like, no, that's a whole life right there. That was lost. Shut it down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the things professor Neely does really well is she, um, she promotes a position regardless of what it is. She wants these students to take a position. And I think in that um, students are also encouraged to, uh, establish rationale for their positioning. So, uh, you know, I think doing this in the classroom setting is something really powerful unfolds and uh, you can really sense it by seeing some of these interviews and by seeing some of the footage of what unfolds inside that classroom. Yeah. I liked the guy. I kind of identified with the guy that she was kind of poking fun at, like who was like, well, I would have to kind of yeah. research a little bit and yeah. look at the analytics of what happened and what processes <laughs> were and weren't followed. And she's like, okay, but would you right. shut it down or not? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's a uh, reminiscent of, you know, it's like p political speak, right? Like, but at the end of the day, somebody needs to make a decision in, in that very difficult moment. And, uh, and I think having Cynthia Carroll there in the classroom um, as a voice to participate in the overall discussion also, I think, adds to what makes that such a special experience. Clearly, not every institution, not every liberal arts school is going to be able to, you know, um, have something as distinctive and, frankly, marketable as the case method. But this goes back to an earlier thread in our conversation, which is that um, there are still stories to be told within the classroom, even if it's not, um, you know, something that's so distinctive as this particular teaching method. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's, uh, you know, our job as storytellers, as higher ed marketing, communications, advancement administrators is to help identify what these stories are and to tell them in the most authentic way possible. You know, in this particular uh, video. You should have seen the production uh, studio, John. As a video producer yourself, you—it's amazing. Literally, nothing short of awe-inspiring. Uh, the quality of this studio. Um, with that said, even uh, you know, you hit on something, which is that the classroom footage there wasn't of a highly produced feel. It was very much like what you'd expect if you were inside the classroom. So I think it's getting that that real authentic edge and tone and voice. I think that's what people respond to as viewers and audiences. Yeah. And I think what, going back to what you said about having, um, uh, Cynthia Carroll, that was her name. Yeah. 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 Having Cynthia, uh, there, there in the classroom. And I think even if you're a small 
liberal arts school or something, you know, smaller school, you don't have the resources behind you uh, that a Harvard does. Um, but you probably have somebody that graduated that did something cool and maybe could turn around and say like, well, here's, here's a problem that I experienced along the way that's going to be relevant to your class. So let's come unpack this. I mean, I, th I think you can model that, that whole approach. Every school's got somebody that is doing something cool, <laughs> you know, and, yep. and can come and kind of make a, this, this sort of case, you know, whatever you call it, this case method of, you know, teaching approach yep. out of that. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I think doing this in the field of higher education is so interesting because these are stories of transformation. These are stories um, of, of people um, transcending different parts of themselves and really, um, you know, pursuing opportunity. And I think those stories are just so compelling and they feel good to tell. They feel good to hear. And it underscores the reason why education is the most important tool to change the world. That's, I have that belief. Um, and I think that even simple individual stories of people um, transcending a situation or navigating a challenge um, or, you know, bettering themselves to improve their situation or family situation, there's something so deeply powerful about that. Um, and it creates for just some really compelling storytelling fodder that you don't have to dig too deep to find these stories, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about the marketing team, uh, the, you know, marketing person that, for, uh, from a school that might be listening to this, what are, what are some takeaways that, that you would, uh, suggest, uh, what can schools learn from the contents of this video? Sure. Um, well, I think one of the first things is the, uh, choosing the right stories to tell. I think clearly for, you know, Harvard, for the MBA program, um, you know, taking students inside this classroom, it does a great job of explaining something that um, sets them apart. So I think asking yourself, what is it that sets my institution apart? What are some of the key evidence points that delineates us? What are some of the key examples of students, faculty, alumni that are living our mission, our uh, core values to some extent. Um, also, I want to the power of collaboration, and this is a theme that we touched on earlier, but I think in this particular instance, I mean, let's face it, Harvard has all the resources to do this, but they brought us in to create something greater than the sum of the parts that they would have been able to do uh, just with their existing staffing structure. So we got to work as an extension of their team um, to produce some extra to provide some extra production muscle. And the end result, I think, um, demonstrates that if done effectively, you know, uh, the results of collaboration far exceed that of trying to do everything yourself or in-house. Um, every school has different staffing dynamics with video. And this is something that we've discussed before, John. Um, and I think there's different models for video companies, video professionals such, of our, such as ourselves to come in um, and help. There's, uh, you know, in this instance, Harvard Business School had uh, someone who was so talented at post-production and pre-production. She could have done the whole thing herself. However, um, realistically, it would have been impossible based mm -hmm. on the vision itself. Um, so just, I would say, finding out what that collaboration point is, finding out where the need is, and not being afraid to form those partnerships with the objective of doing something better that 
than we could do on our own. Um, yeah. And finally, I'll just say, I think um, planning, 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 planning. This is something that I feel like you can derive so much more value from your video investment with the proper amount of pre-production planning, communicating with key stakeholders in advance, giving a great deal of thought to each of the variables, the dynamics that are going into the production. Um, I think that matters a lot. Yeah, I don't think there's been a shoot that I've that I've been on where someone didn't make the joke. Oh, we'll fix it in post, you know. And, then, <laughs> and you know, yeah. my crew is always like, "No, fix it in pre, like right. <laughs> fix it in the pre-production." Yeah, if it's broken, if it's broken in pre-production, it's going to be more broken in post-production. <laughs> yeah. It's only going to get yeah. more broken as as things as things go on. But yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I, I have so much respect for internal video videographers and internal video teams, and they have so much going on. From what I've learned, you know, I've, I've never been an internal videographer at a college before, but um, the ones that I've, I've worked with, um, you know, kind of partnered with, it's been uh, the pattern of so many departments requesting work from them and not being able to get to it all. Um, having there's a lot of day-to-day -day communications like video communication stuff that eats up a lot of time in the schedule but then there's all these like bigger like bigger projects uh bigger campaigns and stuff that like one even if it's just one person that can't do everything um yeah you know so it is it is good i think that that video person should be um uh, should be really um, involved in the production process with a third-party vendor like you guys, because I think you guys did it did it really well. Because you know, likely that person's going to have something to do with the footage later, um, and can yeah. inform or you know can sort of speak the language at least to the to the production team um, in a way that maybe the you know the director of marketing or whatever uh, can't as much. Um, so yeah, that collaboration I think between internal and external partners is is really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I also think it depends on the what the objective is with the video itself. If it's a strategic recruitment piece, then maybe it does require more, uh, you know, heavier hand in production, something that looks a little bit more polished and um, thoughtfully produced. Um, you know, one thing that we know for sure is that with uh, the advent of our mobile devices that have, you know, increasingly incredible quality cameras that there's a lot we can do without having the full production team in place. I think it's about knowing the difference for mm -hmm. what the objective at hand is. Um, and there are opportunities for both, I believe. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and chatting with us about, about this. Um, I'm curious to know, I mean, like, is there, do you want to tell anyone about like ERI, what you get, you know, more about what you guys do, how people can connect with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, we'd love to invite you to, uh, check me out on LinkedIn. So it's just Rafi Dersimonian. Um, and then eridesign.com. Uh, we publish frequently, um, different topics of interest on our insights blog. Um, and also I would, uh, encourage you to, if you want, I'd love to hear any feedback. Uh, you can email me at R-A-F-F-I at E-R-I-Design.com. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here, man. I appreciate it. 
John, great to speak with you. Thanks so much for the opportunity to connect with you today. Thank you so much for listening. Three things I want to give you before you go. Number one, reminder to go to pricing.unveiled.tv if you're interested in our subscriptions and download our pricing guide. Number two, if you want to take the storytelling you're already doing to the next level, I have a free resource for you. It's a three-part framework for creating compelling student and alumni testimonials, and you can get it at unveiled.tv slash student testimonials. And it doesn't even have to be for video. Put the framework to use in any format in which you tell student outcome stories. Number three, leave a review for this podcast on the Apple Podcast app because it helps us out a ton. My name is John Azoni. Go connect with me on LinkedIn. And in the meantime, I'll catch you on the next episode of the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast. Thanks.